Horrible! Anyway, thank God I'm inside and it's warm in my cave. I'm in my cave here and I'm completely warm. Thank God. It is so cold out there. Just unbelievable. Well, I hope you had a good weekend uh, and you kept busy. I did. I kept busy. We recorded an hour and a half. Of voiceover material for the Coliseum. Lots of stuff. So uh, it's going to be three hours long. It's definitely going to be three hours long. This documentary is going to be. I I I won't be able to make it any shorter than that. But it will be. It will be a blessing. I know that. Uh. The next phase of it I need to work on is the martyrs phase. I need to deal with the martyrs. So that'll take me a little bit of time. I'm going to try to do that this week. Get that mostly wrapped up and then put a conclusion on it. Get that get in the studio. Get that recorded. And then Andrew can go to work. I would like to have this done by the first week of April. At the latest. If it's possible to do by March, we'd like to do that too. So... Uh, it, we're going to work on it and do our best, but you know, April, the first week of April is what we'll shoot for. If we can't get it done in by the, by the middle of March or something, I just don't, we'll see, but, uh, it is definitely going to rattle some cages for sure. So anyway, you pray for us about that as we continue to move on. And I am. Still working on everything, talking to Pastor Jeffrey, getting everything scheduled for Canada and trying to get everything moving in that direction there and finding out all the good stuff about that. So you pray for us about all that, those things, uh, because we'll be working on that and uh, getting that nailed down and getting uh, the dates are already nailed down. We are going to be there May 15th. Or excuse me, May sixteenth, I leave. May sixteenth, I leave. Uh, my family leaves. We take off on May sixteenth, and uh, so this is my serious look here. So uh, this is. Uh, The serious studio look here that that Andre catch caught there, and uh, that's going to be that's just going to be like the opening introduction of talking and everything like that. But it, 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 I think it'll go well. I think it's going to look nice. It's going to turn out good. So uh, you pray for us about all of that as we put together the Coliseum as we get it finished, that project finished as we keep moving on. Towards Canada as well. Pray for us about that. In uh, Canada, we will be um, we will be working uh, on all that fun stuff, and I am looking forward to that. I'm looking to forward to preaching there in Canada with Pastor Jeffrey and preaching at his church. 
be doing that as well and uh, all that good stuff. So you pray for us about that and the preaching there, the time we spend together there, uh, all of that good stuff, okay? Pray for us about, about that and pray for us concerning all the finances, all the needs, all the good stuff like that as we gather up all that to get there and and also to head over to New England because we're going to head over to New England. Also, I may be heading to Pennsylvania before then to preach that weekend at some churches over there. And and then uh heading back up to New England. We'll see how that goes. I haven't decided yet. All right? So, we'll see how it goes. I have no idea. But we're going to see. Andrea got about 16 inches of all in all after the two storms. Lots of snow. Lots of snow there. Okay, so we didn't get hit with that much snow. But it's cold. Very cold. They have snow peaks up to six feet. Well, you got a taste of Minnesota there, Andrea. That's what happened to you. You just got a taste of Minnesota. I know, Fabian. I'm thinking I should probably stop by and see you. So, we'll have to figure all that out. We'll definitely have to figure that out. See how I'm going to get there. How, how we'll do that and everything. But... Carlos is going to say at a hostile takeover over there. So anyway, I'm excited about it. I may be in Pennsylvania preaching down there on the streets there and in some churches there. I don't know yet. We'll find that out. And then head over to New England. Okay. See what happens in New England. I'm going to go see. I want to see uh, John Clark's, uh, some uh, John Clark history, Obadiah Holmes. All that good stuff. See, we're putting together this for, to explain the difference around the world in the United States, the difference in the First Amendment and why that came about. So we're going to talk about that. So, you pray for us that, that that all comes together and we get all the information we need. And, it, by the way, 
I also want to enjoy a lot of time with my family, too. So we'll be kind of on our own there when we leave uh, Canada, be able to spend some time together. We're going to go through New York and Abdel. Abdel. He's he's hijacked his mother, Maria Perez's account and Alex. Alex. Abdel and Alex. Good to have you on here, guys. Hope you're doing well. Two fine young chaps. They're listening in today. So, lots of stuff going on, right? In this crazy world. But we are going to talk about some crazy, kooky, charismatic stuff today. Got to find that. Let's see. That's not it. That's not it. We are going to deal with this nut. Whoa, hey. That scared me. We are going to deal with this nut job too right here, but he's going to be a part of our nut our teaching today against nut jobs. So, we will deal with that. Lots of things uh, to pray about, lots of things to prepare for. Pray all of our paperwork comes in. Pray that Carl starts liking oatmeal chocolate chip cookies instead of kiwi yogurt. What in the world was that about? What in the world? Anyway, I'll just leave that right there, okay? But I'm like, what? Are those oatmeal chocolate chip cookies or are those oatmeal, just regular oatmeal cookies? What are those exactly? Let me go back and review. Let's see here. Oatmeal cookies with walnuts? Are you kidding me? Those sound great. Oh, if you were looking at me and saying, hey. Do you want to eat kiwi and yogurt, or do you want to eat oatmeal cookies? What, are you kidding me? Yogurt? Versus oatmeal oatmeal cookies? Regular oatmeal. Oh, are they cooked or not cooked? I'd eat oatmeal cookies. I like cookies. Cookies are my favorite. I mean to tell you, if I have a favorite food in my life, it's got to be cookies. Those sound good. But in order to make Carlos like them, Teresa, you've got to put some chocolate in there. Carlos needs chocolate in those cookies. If you put some chocolate in there, Carl will like them. All right? Put some chocolate in Carl's cookies. 
He needs chocolate in those. Chocolate. You can't make oatmeal cookies without chocolate. Carl, my husband is from Bosnia and he doesn't eat pork either. Okay. Look, I don't know how we always get talking about pork and cookies, but I'm telling you, I like cookies. I like cookies better than pork. And that's saying a lot. But I don't like flat cookies. I like big, fat chocolate chip cookies with, like, nuts in them, chocolate, chips, good stuff, thick stuff, thick cookies, big cookies. I don't want to waste my time with some little cookie. Okay? Got to have a big one. You don't want to waste your time with no little cookie, right? Anyway, all right. Applesauce? You don't use applesauce in cookies. What's wrong with you? Lots of Bosnians are Muslims. Oh, well, that explains a lot, Carl. Now we understand, Carl. Now we understand why you and your Bosnian brethren don't like... Pork. We get it now. Okay. That's right, Fabian. Applesauce does go good with pork chops. I, yeah, I'm not putting down it. I didn't eat anybody's cookies yesterday, so I'm not talking about anybody else. All I'm telling you is I'm not into fat. I'm not into flat cookies. I'm into fat cookies. All right? Fat cookies, not flat cookies. F-A-T, fat cookies, not F-L-A-T. Fat cookies. F-A-T, fat cookies. Okay. All right, Mary, those look promising, actually. They look good. They just need chocolate chips. You just need chocolate chips in a Mary. That's it. That's all you're missing. Okay. Yes, I eat fat pork chops too. (laughs) I don't like oatmeal raisin cookies either. Raisins aren't supposed to be cooked in food. Of course not. Ask Bosnian Carl, he'll tell you. Ask Bosnian Mohammed, he'll tell you. 
Bosnian Mohammed will tell you, won't he, Fabian? Ask Bosnian Mohammed. He'll tell you. Bosnian Mohammed. Cousin to Castro. He'll tell you. All right, anyway. We better get going here. We better get going here before somebody tortures me, pokes my eyeballs out, sets me down in a chair, ties me up, and force feeds me yogurt with kiwi. Okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, I'm done now. Seriously, this time it's over. That's what they feed people at the border, just so you know. You know what else they do? That's what they do. When they go to waterboard people at Guantanamo, they tie them up in a chair and they force feed them kiwi and yogurt. You know what they give people they like? Cookies. They give people they like cookies. When they don't like them, they force feed them yogurt and kiwi. Okay. All right, I'm done. And whoever heard. Okay, this time I'm done. I mean it. So we're going to talk about tongues as a private prayer language. Yogurt and kiwi is yummy. Well, sure it is for a woman. I expect a woman to think that yogurt and kiwi is yummy. Absolutely expect you as a woman to say, yogurt and kiwi, it's so lovely. It's so light and fluffy. I love it so much. It's wonderful. It's so yummy. I I expect you to say that. Like, I, I seriously expect you to say that. You're a woman. Like, why wouldn't anybody expect a woman to be like, so light and fluffy and lovely. I love it so much. But, you know, when you're a guide, you're like, yeah, hey, hand me that kiwi and yogurt over there. <laughs> of course you do, Jody Hammond. Of course you do. You're a woman. Of course you love yogurt. Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? Look, you're setting two things in front of me, right? You're saying, do you want these oatmeal cookies or do you want this yogurt? With kiwi in it. Like, why would you even give me one of those options? Why would you give me one of those options? This is all you can have. Cookies, yogurt. I'm like, Mary, get me the pan of cookies. With some espresso. Put the whole pan down, Mary, and give me some cookies. But a woman might say, yeah, she might be like, I'll take the yogurt. It's healthier. Give me the yogurt. 
I know. I I get it. You love yogurt. Every woman has told me, I love yogurt. It's it's spectacular. It's the most wonderful thing in all the world. It's yogurt. I love it so much. I know. I know you do. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I I understand. Every woman on here said, I just love yogurt. It is the most wonderful thing in all the world. <laughs> Wait, this rant was <laughs> supposed to be over already. But you all keep taunting me because women keep coming on and going, well, yogurt's spectacular. It's the most wonderful thing in all the world. Just give me some yogurt. I'm like, well, dude, I mean, okay, great. Give me a, give me a plate of stinking cookies. Like the only reason I would ever eat yogurt is because it's good for me and I have to. Okay, eat something healthy. All right, I'll eat some high protein yogurt because it's healthy. But if you were like, well, here's a plate of cookies and here's your yogurt, I'm not going to lie to you. I just love yogurt. It's spectacular. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be like, give me those cookies. What? You're eating kiwi and yogurt for supper? Kiwi and yogurt? Yes, any and all. Andrea goes, yes, any and all yogurt. It's wonderful. It's Carl agrees. It's wonderful. It's delightful. It's lovely. <laughs> Wait, how is it that this guy eats stinking raw steak? Like absolutely raw steak. Gets it all over his beard, rips it all over his mouth, and he goes, time for yogurt. It's yogurt time. I don't know, man. You are one of the most confusing dudes I've ever met in my life, man. And I've met some, I've met some, I've met some whoppers in my life, man. Believe me. I have met some really crazy people in my life. Look, it's already been 30 minutes. I got to stop. How does this happen? You know why? It's because other preachers, they just don't talk to anybody. They don't talk to anybody. They just ignore everybody and they just teach what they're teaching and they move on. I bet Mary could probably make homemade yogurt. Look, Greek yogurt, it is high in protein though. If you get... Greek yogurt, it is very high in protein. Very high in protein. So, anyway. It is good for you, actually. But I just... That doesn't stop me from giving Carl a hard time about, like, plate of cookies, Greek yogurt. It's not the fact that he didn't eat the cookies. It's the fact that he's like, he doesn't like the cookies... And the Greek yog and the yogurt is better than the cookies. If my wife was making homemade cookies, the last thing I'm going to look at her and I'm going to say to her is, "Hey, look, 
Your cookies suck. <laughs> Give me that yogurt. <laughs> Look. Look, I, I'm going to tell you something right now. You're going to have to show me where any grass-fed beef is any good. Because all of it tastes like dung. Grass-fed beef tastes disgusting. It is gross. It has a gamey aftertaste and smell to it that is gross. And I question whether it's even grass-fed, to be honest with you. But anyway. That's it. I'm done. I'm done insulting everybody. I've nailed everybody everywhere. Everybody's mad at me. Carl likes yogurt better than cookies. I'm done. Can't believe it. Right. Gross cookies. Gross grass-fed beef. Gross everything. It is healthier. You're right. I guess. I don't know. That's what they say. But I, I firmly believe that everything's killing us. We eat pasture-raised beef. Yeah. I forgot what Dave calls the beef that we get. We get it from Dave, and I forget what it's called the uh, or what they feed him. But they feed him something different anyway. So, anyway. All right. Tongues as a private prayer language. Let's get into it here. How about dipping the cookies in the yogurt? She said she will make it tomorrow. Now, you know, there, this issue of tongues, it's not going away, right? I mean, everywhere we go, every online, you always find, if you meet people in public and they say they're Christian, it really seems like 75% of them are charismatics. It really seems like a good 75% of them are not even really, you're not even sure if they're born again. They say they're baptized in the Spirit. They say they've, they're, they're, they're filled with the Spirit, and they're born again. Now, this, this uh, Israel Salvador guy, or Isaiah Salvador, I believe this man's as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. His testimony is not even salvation. 
Hey guys, so today I want to talk to you about how to pray in tongues and the difference between praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. At the end of this video, I'm going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm believing by faith that those of you that have never prayed in tongues are going to receive your prayer language tonight. There's a lot of misconception about this, so let's clear it up. But before we do, please do me a massive favor. Stop right now. Go ahead and do me a favor. Like the video down below. It helps with the algorithm. Comment down below. Subscribe to the channel. And then share this with someone that would be blessed by this. This is really, really going to help us. Let me give you guys, as I like to do in most of my videos, my testimony, and then I'm going to give you the word and why I'm fully convicted and convinced that God wants every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to pray in tongues. I got saved, if you don't know, as an atheist. I went to church till I was 16, stopped going from 16 to 19, stepped foot in a church. They gave the altar call. I went forward. The Spirit of God drew me. I was literally cussing at the altar. I didn't believe. Okay, does that sound like somebody who got saved by the grace of God? I literally went to the altar and I was cussing at the altar. Listen. Believe, I said, God, I don't believe in you, but if you're real, I'll lay down everything. In that moment, I had my encounter. Some of you have heard my testimony. Well, in that moment, I began to speak in tongues. Or None of that that he just said, none of that that he just said is a salvation testimony. It doesn't say he believed on the Son of God. It doesn't say he believes on the Son of God. It doesn't say that uh, that uh, he's been born again. It doesn't say he never says that he trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior. He never says that he repented of his sins. He never says that he put his faith and trust in Christ alone. He never says any of it. If you listen to what he said, none of that is, is, is salvation. Or what I would call pray in tongues. Now, I didn't know what it was. I had heard this one time in my life. My parents had done this while I was a kid. And I remember my girlfriend being next to me at the time and me putting my hand over my mouth, my mouth trying to stop the tongues from rushing out. I didn't understand at the time what it was. And so I think that kid went up to that altar and got possessed by devils. That's what I think happened to him. I think he walked up to that altar in that Pentecostal church, started cussing like a trucker. No offense. No, no offense, truckers. Started cussing like a drunken sailor. And I think he got filled with the devil. That's what I think happened to him. Because nothing he just said is salvation. Nothing he just said is repentance toward God or faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. None of that is the Son of Man making him free that he would be free indeed. What did he have? He went up to that altar and he had an encounter. He had an experience. You know what happened when I got saved? The Lord brought me down. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He brought me to a place of repentance and faith in Christ. It was not some outward showing uh, of uh, or some outward tongues expos exposition. It wasn't some erratic gift that came over me. 
So here's what the Pentecostals like to tell you, okay? What the Pentecostals like to tell you is that their tongues is a private prayer language. This is what they like to tell you. So so David Cloud covers this in his book masterfully, I believe. He says, what about the doctrine of private prayer language? Pentecostals and charismatics often teach that there are two types of tongues described in the New Testament. The public language tongues. That's what he's going to cover in this video, by the way. The public language tongues of Pentecost and the private prayer language tongues of 1 Corinthians 14. Some call this distinction ministry tongues and devotional tongues. And as we've seen in the history of this book, Early Pentecostal leaders understood that biblical tongues were real earthly languages. They even thought they'd be able to go to foreign mission fields and do it. These are the terms they have heard frequently uh, throughout, that he's heard frequently throughout charismatic conferences. Charles Parham talked about the same thing. Usa, Usa, Yusa, Rella, Sama, Kala, Mala, Kana, Laka, Luka, Lulu, whatever else they say. It means nothing. Right? One newspaper reporter on William Seymour's meetings, we called this, he called this gibberish, glibly, glibly bluck. That's what they do. If you listen to him, he's going to tell you, oh, there's two different tongues here. My testimony was I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one was laying hands on me. No one was praying for me. I just began to speak and began to pray in tongues. And so that's kind of how I got introduced to it. That's not everybody's story. That's not normal how people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was just my experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you 10 years later, I pray in tongues every single day. It has dramatically changed my life. It has brought I, I pray in tongues every single day and it dramatically changed my life. How? You don't even know what you're saying. He said he says in this video, I rarely I rarely pray in English. Uh Come again? He he rarely prays in English. That's what he said. He's going to say that by the way. And I'm fast forwarding him because he's annoying and I don't want to I don't want to Play the whole video like that. Brought me closer to God and the Holy Spirit. And I've seen the last 10 years of traveling, preaching, and pastoring. Thousands of people receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking or praying in tongues. And I know that if God did it for them, God did it for you. There's a couple things we need to... There's... You've never seen anybody receive the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. Biblical languages. Glossia. Languages. Establish if we're going to talk about how to pray in tongues and what the difference between praying and speaking in tongues is. First thing we need to realize is that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about speaking in tongues, this being the ability to speak in a language not understood by the person speaking in it. But the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, to another is given different kinds of tongues. So the actual translation, the King James, is different kinds of tongues, not just speaking in tongues. So we- He's an idiot. Because different kinds of tongues means different languages. So if I was in Corinth... And I had the gift of languages. One man has the gift of Latin. One man has the gift of uh, of Greek, of, of a Greek language, or of a or of a uh, Hebrew tongue, or of a different tongue. 
So they had different tongues. He's not speaking of different types of tongues, as in there's a private prayer language tongue and there's this tongue. He's lying. Different tongues is different languages. Actual languages. We already know just off of this verse, there's different kinds of tongues. Now, there's a lot of confusion here because people say, well, it's not God's will for me to pray in tongues, but you need to understand, and I want to separate this in your mind. Praying in tongues is different than speaking in tongues. And we're going to go into greater detail and give you more verses here to understand this. By the way, they developed this all off of a verse, praying in tongues, all off of one verse. Now, you watch. We're going to go through this. Larry Lee at Leia's tongues in Indianapolis in 1999 was all gibberish. Middle Eastern gibberish. Remember that? You remember that, don't you? Anyway, we're not, we're not going to go through there. Here, here's what the, Michael Harper says this. In the short history of the charismatic renewal, speaking in tongues has become rare in public, but continues to be a vital expression of prayer in private. He says this type of tongues is a prayer language, a way of communicating more effectively with God. He claims that this experience edifies apart from understanding. He says this, modern Western man finds it hard to believe that speaking unknown words to God can possibly be edifying. All one can say is try it and see. I can still remember today the moments when I used this gift and the immediate awareness I had that I was being edified. Wait a minute. So you don't know what you're saying, but you're being edified. Harper says he mystically was aware of being edified, even though he, did not, he does not know what he is saying. He also says that gifts need to be used regularly and is therefore something important for the Christian life. To prove this point, he simply invites the skeptical observer to try it and see, reminding us that the experience is the charismatic's greatest authority. The try it and see approach creates a new problem, though, for the Bible never says to try tongues or to seek after tongues and never describes how one can learn how to speak in tongues. This guy's trying to teach you how to speak in tongues when the Bible gives no direction in how you're to speak in tongues. Right? No direction. But that's never stopped them, right? It's never stopped them from trying. First, so we're going to go through these 10 reasons. We're going to go through 10 reasons. First, for the following reasons, we are convinced that the Bible does not support the doctrine of a private prayer language. See, this is why it's important for you to rightly divide the word of truth. To go through the scriptures and see exactly what's being said there. First, Paul said the tongue speaker edifies himself. That would not be possible unless the words could be understood. Because throughout the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that understanding is necessary for edification. In verse 3, he says that prophesying edifies because it comforts and exhorts men. Obviously, referring to these things, 
that are understood to the hearer. In verse 4, he says that tongue speaking does not edify unless it is interpreted. In verse 16 to 17, he says that if someone does not understand something, he is not edified. Words could not be plainer. If there is no edification of the church without understanding, how is it that an individual believer could be edified without understanding? It's confusion. The word edify means to build up in the faith, to instruct, to improve the mind in knowledge. Generally and particularly in moral and religious knowledge, in faith and holiness. The words edify, edification, edified, and edifying are used in 18 verses in the New Testament and always refer to the building up of the faith. That's what the church is for in Ephesians 4 is to edify one another. So that's point number one. No one is edified if no one understands what's being said. And if you're just shula boola bala boola 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 and you ain't saying nothing clear, precise, making a distinct sound, then what are you doing? You're blabbering. It's like when babies are learning to talk. You don't understand what they're saying, they're just babbling. perfect example of that was at the Tower of Babel. They were all babbling different languages. No one understood. So the people that did understood, understand separated from each other. That's a fact. Second, If the tongue speaking of 1 Corinthians 14 is different than of Acts 2, the Bible never explains the difference. We leave tongues in the book of Acts. The last mention is Acts 19.6. And we do not see them again until 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 to 14. If the tongues of this epistle is different, a different type of thing than the tongues in Acts, why doesn't the Bible say so? It never says that. Look, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Okay. Then when we pick it back up again in Corinthians 12, first Corinthians 12 through 14, the chapters on gifts. He never says it's different. He never shows it's different. So then, where do they get that from? They're trying to isolate a phrase that Paul is saying, if. So we'll get to that. Third, 
Point number three. Paul says that tongues are earthly languages. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at it. Brethren, be not children understanding. Howbeit in malice, be ye children. But in understanding, be men. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If there are the, therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Tongues. Languages. Paul is not describing anything else. Why would Paul give this prophetic explanation of it and state dogmatically that it is an earthly language? He does not say that only some types of tongues are languages. That isn't what he says at all. I'm telling you, these people, they play a lot of games. Now, We'll go back to his game plan for a minute here. You can see the twisted uh, scripture. But just know these are two different things. This is not the unknown tongue that is given to believers at the baptism of the Spirit. This is the gift and speaking in different kinds of tongues. So in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 10, you're going to see the gift of speaking in a different kinds of tongues, an unknown tongue, an unknown language, or a tongue with an interpretation. This is not the same as praying in tongues. Now, Paul makes this clear in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He says this, He who speaks in tongue does not speak to men, or speak in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. So this is not an interpretative tongue. This is a praying in tongues. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a different kinds of tongues, okay? That's the unknown language, speaking in tongues. Then in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, but if he speaks in a tongue, he doesn't speak to men. He speaks to God and no one understands him. There's no interpretation. This is the prayer language. And this is when your spirit is speaking mysteries. So it's completely different. The tongues Paul's describing in 1 Corinthians 12 are the building up for others, not building up yourself. The tongues in 1 Corinthians 14 are when you build up yourself. And I'll go into greater detail later, but you need to know there's different tongues for different occasions. Now in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul gives different ministries for public gatherings. He talks about the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, miracles, gifts of healing, gifts of administration. And then he says, and a variety of tongues. So notice in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul is talking about in the context of a public gathering. So Paul here is not talking about you praying at home in tongues. He's not talking about you being at the altar praying in tongues. He's talking about a public gathering type of tongues in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So He's making this up. <clears throat> I just showed you the scriptures. That isn't what he said at all. But this is what Pentecostals do. They are so fake. Their gifts are fake. They are anti-Christ to the core. 
Know that in 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to see that type of tongue talked about, and that's the variety of gifts, the different kinds of tongues, and the public gathering tongues. Private tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, the public tongue, 1 Corinthians 12. So I hope you're starting to see a difference here. Now, let me explain why a lot of people say and believe, and you're going to see a lot of people on YouTube say this. So many people say, well, it's only for some believers. I am 100% convinced and believe that if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can pray in tongues. I'm also. He's a liar. Because that's not what he said at all. You don't learn to speak in tongues. You don't learn a gift. At Pentecost, did you see those people learn the gift of tongues? Did you see that? I never saw that. Right? Not at all. You don't see that in the scriptures. Go through the scriptures. You tell me, do you see anybody learning tongues? Do you see anybody learning a gift? Oh, I'm going to learn tongues. You don't learn tongues. Anybody can learn to, to speak in tongues. You're a fool. The guy is an absolute fool. He's a lying, deceiving fool like Greg Locke is convinced that God wants everybody to be full of the Holy Spirit according to the book of Acts where Peter says repent by the way go back and listen to the teaching where we covered the fact that being filled with the Spirit does not mean that you speak in tongues right he's lying there's a few times uh, of speaking in tongues in the scriptures are being filled with the Spirit and dealing with those things. He's lying. He's deceiving. It is not a sign of being filled with the Spirit. It is not a sign of having the Holy Spirit. That's not true. Right? And that heavenly language is garbage. There is no heavenly language. There is no heavenly language. They're a bunch of liars. Which we will show, by the way. And be filled with the Spirit. So I believe the Holy Spirit filling is for every believer. It's not for some believers. And when you get the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to pray in tongues. Whether you do or not is a different story. But you have the ability to do it. You're lying. You're lying. You're just plain lying. You little devil-possessed, satanic-filled liar. Now, I'm telling you, I hate this religion that they push. I hate their, I loathe their fake religion. I hate it. I loathe it. You don't under, like, I hate their antichrist spirit. I hate every false way that they teach. They are liars. They are deceivers. And I will forever be at war against them until I'm dead. I will war against their false religion and their fake lies. And I'm not, uh, what's his name, Justin Peterson, Mr. or whatever his name is. I think that might be his name, Mr. Quiet Guy. I'm not that guy. I'm a preacher, and I'm a Baptist, all right? And I have a King James Bible, and I have authority. So I don't speak all soft and sweetie-weedy. I don't talk like that, okay? I'm not doing it. That's not me. 
So let me explain why people say, well, it's only for some believers. Isaiah, everyone can't have it. First Corinthians 12 verses 29 through 30. And I have a whole video on the gifts of the spirit an hour and a half long on my channel called Supernatural Abilities. If you want to check that out, I'll put it in the description. First Corinthians 12, 29 through 30 says this. This is Paul speaking. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer is no. But understand, Paul is talking about a public gathering, not your personal life. He's lying. He's lying. He's plain lying to you. This man is lying to you. He is possessed by Satan. He is lying to you. He is taking the word of God. He is using it deceitfully. And I hate it. I hate it. It's a grand distraction. It's a grand and great distraction to distract the people of God, to seduce them with seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Look what the scriptures say. Because that's what this guy is. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The end time signs and wonders are antichrist. I'm going to say that to you again. The end time signs and wonders. They are marked by the ministry of the antichrist. Okay. Look at this. Ah. Here it is. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, wherever you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now, this is his private prayer language. Paul doesn't say that. Fourth, number four. In 1 Corinthians 14, 28, Paul says that the tongue speaker speaks both to himself and to God. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and, not, and, and to God. This means that he can understand what he is speaking. Get it? He knows the words that he's saying. So he's not just blabbering and has no idea what he's saying. He's speaking to himself and to God because he knows the words. 
Otherwise, how could he speak to himself? Does anyone speak to himself in unknown gibberish? Only Pentecostals, right? Only these guys. Since Brother Jimmy is no longer with us, is there anybody else who has the gift of interpreting the tongues in which we're all going to speak today? Anybody? Oh, goodness, that was frightening. Oh, hello. Who might you be? Why, we're the members of Wickersham Apostolic Church, and you are? Isn't it obvious, Preacher Jeff? He's a golden angel from heaven. Oh, I'm afraid that's not quite true. My name is C-3PO. I am a sir- By the way, that is extremely accurate of what a Pentecostal would tell you if that happened. I am not kidding you. Everything is assigned to them, including oatmeal, Oreo cookies, Mary's oatmeal cookies, Service droid from another galaxy, programmed to interact with and assist various organic life forms such as yourselves. Assist us? Yes, that's right. Is there anything with which you need assistance? Well, yes, actually. We're trying to get an old-timey revival going where a number of us are going to speak in tongues, but our translator called in sick with an unexpected case of Lutheranism. Is there any chance the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon you the supernatural gift of interpretation? I'm afraid that I possess no divinely given abilities. However, I was programmed to be fluent in over six million forms of communication, including all the languages of your planet, so I believe I could be of service as a translator. Hey, you guys hear that? That's great. Yeah, really. Really great. Well, let's get this thing going. All right. Anybody feeling the spirit? Anybody have a word from the Lord you just gotta share with us? I'm feeling it. Shlaba have a twing bing doogie alba bingo. Okay, Brother 3PO, what did Sister Jane say? Um, nothing. What? Yeah, what are you talking about? I said a bunch of stuff. Well, you did make sounds, but I'm afraid those sounds were just randomly assembled bits of gibberish and don't belong to any actual language. Really? You sure that wasn't Russian or something? Quite certain, I'm afraid. Well, I'm really feeling the spirit. Let me try something. That felt like Hebrew. That was Hebrew, right? No, just Middle Eastern sounding gibberish. French sounding gibberish. Probio, Mavia, Pasta Primavera. That was half gibberish, half just listing menu items from an Italian restaurant. Yo tengo tres bigotes in mis piscinas. Hey, that was Spanish, right? Yes. You just said, I have three mustaches in my swimming pools. Did the Holy Spirit directly reveal to you that you have three mustaches in your swimming pools, or did you just subconsciously shout out the only words you remember from Senorita Van Meter's fifth period Spanish class your freshman year of high school? Seventh period, actually. Look, my new friends, as much as you all want to believe it, I'm afraid it's clear that the Holy Spirit isn't actually causing you to speak in legitimate foreign languages as he did to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Well, the Lord is obviously speaking through us somehow. In fact, I believe we're speaking in some kind of supernatural prayer language, like how St. Paul talks about speaking in the tongue of angels. 
You speak angel? Well, no, but... Well, then, rest assured, my Pentecostal friends, that must be what's going on. I do hate to be rude, sir, but when St. Paul references the tongue of angels in 1 Corinthians 14, he's not saying that the Holy Spirit actually grants certain men the ability to speak the official language of heaven. Rather, he's making a rhetorical point. To people who think that speaking in tongues makes them better Christians, he's saying, even if I speak in the most super-duper heavenly of tongues, if I think I'm holier than other people, I'm actually proving my to be a spiritually infantile, self-righteous sinner. Well, all right, So, but... in the end, the Bible only actually describes God giving men one kind of miraculous tongue speaking, that of speaking in actual languages, which we've just established that you're not doing, and which we'll establish in a future video no one is actually doing today. And if I may be so bold, inventing a new way that God is speaking through you after it's just been shown that God wasn't actually speaking through you the way you first claimed he was is not substantially different from when the Jehovah's Witness kept changing the meaning of their end-of-the-world predictions after they failed to come true. In other words, it's an unsuccessful attempt to cover up your blatant false prophecy. Oh yeah? Well, how about this? Hey, that sounded like something. That was Latin. Well, all right, it looks like you were wrong, metal man. Backwards, Latin. What? You just said Satan is my homeboy in Latin. Backwards. Which I think means you have a demon. I do not have a demon. You probably have a demon. I do not have a demon. Pretty sure you have a demon. We do not have a demon. Yeah, pretty sure you got a demon there, Daryl. <laughs> pretty sure you got a demon there, Daryl. <laughs>
Not everybody is operating in all gifts. It has nothing to do with praying in tongues. It has to do with flowing in the gifts. Paul says, listen, not everybody's going to flow in all these gifts. Not everyone's going to be an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, speak in tongues, do the gifts healing, interpret. No, because everybody has different gifts they flow in in the public gatherings. I know countless people who pray in tongues, but have never flowed in the gift of speaking in different kinds of tongues because it's a different type of manifestation. So Paul's not talking about tongues as a result of being baptized in the Spirit. Okay, so remember, his premise is completely off. Why is it off? Well, his premise, what he's saying, is that that's different operations of tongues and different distinctions. He's making the tongues a different form of the gift. One is a private one, one is a public one. That's not true. What Paul tells them, what what Paul tells them is, is he, dis, he makes a distinction between different languages that are spoken. And he's trying to make it different functions for tongues. Right? That's, that's what he's doing. That's because he's a little fake antichrist that's got devils. That guy has devils. He's got as many devils as Greg Locke and his crazy wife. Greg, like, Greg Locke and his witchy-poo wife. His absolute Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel. Right? Greg Locke and his pastoral wife. Well, if that woman's going to bring herself to the limelight and she's going to say she's a pastor, she needs called out on it. That's exactly what I did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak of his wife if she wasn't, she didn't make herself a pastor. Okay, here we go. Spirit, he's talking about a public tongues. Many people are baptized in the spirit, can speak in tongues, but don't. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Some of you just need to open up your mouth in faith and begin to pray in the spirit. While Isaiah Open your mouth in faith. Yeah, that's what God, that's what they had to do. They had to have people coaching them. I see that all over the New Testament. Coach, come on. It's coming. Come on. It's coming like like Rod Parsley. Come on. It's coming. This Baptist man wants filled with the Spirit. Come on, it's coming. That, nothing in the New Testament shows that. Nothing. They are lying to you. They are absolutely 100% lying to you. That's what they're doing. So, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence. This says nothing about praying in tongues privately. It is talking about the exercise of gifts in a public meeting. Paul says that if there is no interpretation, the tongue speaker should keep silent and pray to God. But he says nothing about getting off by oneself and praying privately in tongues. One must read all of that. Now, here's the thing. All of these gifts that were signed gifts are done now. Why? What changed? Simple. Very simple what changed. The New Testament. The gifts were given to complete the New Testament. Once the New Testament was completed, there was no more reason for the gifts. The sign gifts. There was no more reason. 
Why? Because it's not necessary anymore. It's not needed. You have the New Testament that can be translated into different languages. You don't need it. You don't need it anymore. Why would we need it? Why, when you could translate the written text into different languages, would you need the gift of tongues any longer? Especially when it was assigned to Israel. That's what it was for. And to complete the New Testament. That's it. That was for. Those sign gifts, that's what they were for. The oracles of God came from where? Came from the apostles. From the prophets and the apostles. Was it needed anymore? Done. Done away. Stop being a child. Six. If there were a private prayer language that edified the Christian's life, it, life, it would be very important, and the Bible would explain it clearly and circumscribe its usage as it does the use of tongues in the church. There would be distinct explanation of both and how to use it if that was necessary. If that was real, if a private prayer language was real. Right? Further, a private prayer language that helped the Christian to be stronger in his walk with Christ would doubtless be mentioned in other places in the New Testament in the context of sanctification Christian living. Listen, if God Almighty was giving a private prayer language for the edification of the saints, wouldn't he have listed it in many places and explained to you how to do it and what you needed to do and how it was done? Everything else is. Let me show you. Watch this. Ephesians 5.18 And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He tells you how to be filled with the Spirit. And he gives you instructions. How about this? He tells you to walk in the spirit. What does he do? Tells you how to walk in the spirit. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And he tells you how to walk in the spirit. He tells you how to be filled with the spirit. He never commands you to be baptized in the spirit. He never commands you to speak in tongues. In Romans 
13. He tells you to put on Christ. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He tells you how to put on Christ. Look what he says in verse 10 or verse 9 all the way down the second table of the law. Obey these things. Walk in love. Look, he tells you how to do that. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. How do I walk in love? He tells you. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you. See, there's instructions. How then shall we live? Then he talks about the new man. Ephesians 4, 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How do I put on the new man? Keep reading. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. See? He tells you how. He gives you instructions how. Tells you how to be filled with the Spirit. All of those things. Never once tells you any instructions about those gifts like that. They're lying to you. They're deceivers and they're liars. See, I don't, I don't think, oh, they're just kind of confused. No, they're liars. They're deceivers. They're antichrist. They're deceiving and being deceived. That's who they are. By the way, they hate Baptists too. They hate them with a passion. Those Pentecostals and Charismatics, they hate Baptists. They hate, especially Bible-believing Baptists that have the scriptures. Oh, they hate them. Absolutely hate them. Sixth, if there were a private prayer language that edified the Christian's life, it would be very important. The Bible would explain it. Further, a private prayer language that helped the Christian to be stronger in his walk with Christ would doubtless be mentioned in other places in the New Testament in that context of sanctification Christian living, like I just showed you. In fact, though it is never mentioned in such a context, the apostles and prophets address many situations in the New Testament, epistles, and gave all things necessary for holy Christian living. But they never taught that the believer needs to speak in a private prayer language in order to have spiritual victory or to find God's guidance or to be healed or to be able to fall asleep or any such thing. Let me show you. Here's another one.
I was just reading this into my devotions today. I'm going to read you something. Grace and peace be multiplied. Second Peter chapter 1, grace, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. All things. All things. Guess what's not mentioned here? Tongues. Gifts. Supernatural gifts of the Spirit are not mentioned here. Why? Not applicable. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged of his old, from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. See? Look what he's telling you to work on. Same thing Paul is. What is he not mentioning here? He's not mentioning the gifts of the Spirit. Seventh. Number seven. It is not possible that tongue speaking could be a necessary part of the Christian life because Paul plainly states that not all speak in tongues. First Corinthians 14. Look at that. Yet in church, verse 19, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men.
Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, right? He talked about that. If therefore the whole church come together, he talked about that. Some will ask, why then does Paul say, I would that ye all spake with tongues? In verse 5. The answer is that Paul was not saying that all did speak with tongues or that all could speak with tongues. He was merely expressing a desire that the, that the exercise of spiritual gifts be done and that it be done right. In 1 Corinthians 7.7, 7, Paul uses exactly the same expression in the context of celibacy. He said, for I would that all men were even as I myself. I don't know any Pentecostals or Charismatics who take this statement literally by teaching that it's God's will for every believer to remain unmarried. But they'll take the same expression they find in 1 Corinthians 14.5 as a law. It's inconsistent. Paul's not saying that you all, you all have to be unmarried. As he said, I would that all men were even as I myself. I don't see them tongue-speaking Pentecostals using that one. Right? Because they're not going to. Doesn't fit their plan. Right? Whoops, wrong one, sorry. There we go. Yeah, what about Paul saying don't speak in tongues in public? Well, that's not what Paul said. Let's look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 28. And I'm giving you guys Bible tonight. He says, if anyone speaks in tongues, two or the most three should speak. So Paul's saying you should, but do it two to three at most at one time. And someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. So Paul is saying, listen, if you're praying in tongues, I mean, if you're speaking in tongues over the microphone, publicly in a public gathering, you should have an interpreter because what benefit will it be if you preach an hour long message in tongues? Now, scholars say in Corinth, they were preaching full messages in tongues. So you preach a full message, there's unbelievers, they're going to think you're crazy, Paul says. So we don't want to preach full messages. We want to make sure if we're preaching in tongues, there's an interpreter. Again, Paul is not talking about the 1 Corinthians 14, and I'll give you more verses, Jude 120, Romans 826, Ephesians 618. That's not the verses. That's not the, what Paul's talking about, the praying in tongues. He's talking about he speaks in tongues. He said, if you're going to go up there and get up and preach a sermon in tongues, no one interprets. There's no point in doing that. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. He says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting, here we are again with a meeting, and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they're going to think you're crazy. So he says, listen, if you're speaking for two hours in tongues on a mic, it's not going to help anyone. Make sure you have an interpreter. He didn't say don't do it. He said, if you do it, have an interpreter. So this is different than if you're in a prayer meeting. Right, and that's languages. And he's not even using the King James Bible, of course. He said, wow, I wonder, Gregory said, wow, I wonder sometimes if that spirit they had recognized that I was a Baptist growing up. Not sure, but they might have recognized that you didn't agree with them. People are walking around speaking in tongues. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about speaking in a public meeting, specifically preaching in tongues. Okay, so he's not forbidding them from praying. He's saying don't preach in tongues if no one interprets. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. 
where Paul says this, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than all of you. So I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others than 10,000 words in tongues. So Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, but I don't do it in church. So Paul is saying, where do I do it? You guessed it, in my private prayer time. Is Paul speaking in tongues? Yes, he's praying in the spirit in his prayer time. And we know this because later on, Paul's gonna tell us that we should pray in the spirit. So Paul is distinguishing again, I hope I'm convinced. Praying in the spirit has nothing to do with praying in tongues. you that there's a praying in tongues and there's a speaking at tongues. And I like to separate them for the sake of understanding. So when should we pray in the spirit? Remember, every believer has access. If you have the Holy Spirit to pray in the spirit, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when you're- <laughs> There's groanings which cannot be uttered. Let's look at that. Was that verse he, he was uh, manipulating completely and trying to know what to pray as we ought, but likewise the Spirit helps us in Romans 8 26. Let's look at that. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray. For as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It means they're not spoken. They cannot be spoken. Get it? They're not spoken. The Spirit intercedes for us. He's such a liar. In our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when you're praying in the Spirit, your Holy Spirit that's in you. Do you see how He changed the Bible? Listen. Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when groanings to deeper words. That's not what He said. He said groanings that cannot be uttered. You're praying in the Spirit. Your Holy Spirit that's in you is speaking through you, praying through you, past your unbelief, past your doubt. Your Holy Spirit, like you have a different Holy Spirit than the guy next to you has. You already said that? There's only one Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God, or there's the Antichrist Spirit. Yeah, there are devils that are out there, but there's only one Holy Ghost that indwells you. Past your worry, past your anxiety, the Spirit of God is actually praying through you. It's very powerful. Most of my prayer time is praying in the Spirit. Let's look at Jude one twenty. He's such an idiot. Most of my most of my prayer time. Well, then you're not praying at all. You're babbling. Look what it says here. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's not tongues. He didn't say tongues. He's lying. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So what does it do? It builds yourself up. Praying in the Spirit is working out for your spirit, man. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times. This is Paul writing. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So what is Paul saying? Again, praying in the Spirit at all times. It's not just a one-time thing. It's praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit at all times. Such a fake and a liar. One of the reasons why people have a hard time praying in the spirit is they overthink it. They think, oh, it's just me. Oh, I'm making.
They overthink it. Do you know what he's telling you? Oh, you got to clear your mind. You got to empty your mind. You just got to say whatever comes to your lips. No, that's stupid. You don't just say things that whatever comes to your lips. You don't do that. That's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. See, the Pentecostals like to teach you to bypass your mind. Go right to your feelings. That's how Satan that's how Satan rapes the emotions of people, by the way. That's what the devil does. That's what the devils do. They go past your mind and appeal to your emotions. So then you are dealing with your raw emotions and not discerning what you're saying or discerning what you're doing. And that's sinful. It's like when people completely lose their temper and they're not in control of their emotions. it up no 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 don't let the enemy lie to you most of my prayer times is, is in tongues don't let someone who doesn't believe in it pray that doesn't pray in it talk you out of it listen don't listen to people that aren't full of the holy ghost or pray in tongues and have them try to teach you about praying in tongues how are you gonna have someone that's don't listen to people who aren't full of the holy ghost he doesn't know what it means to be full of the holy ghost he's a liar he doesn't even know what that means. Doesn't pray in tongues, try to talk you out of it. This is one of the most amazing, life-changing things. I was praying for a lady about a month ago. She said, I've been praying for 15 years for tongues. I'm never going to get it. We laid hands on her and we believed and she immediately started praying in tongues. So I know God can do that with you tonight. Now you oftentimes, you know, like I said, oftentimes I don't pray in English because I don't know what to pray for. And so the Bible says when you don't know what to pray, pray. A lot of times, really? You're a pastor and you don't know what to pray for. Really? Really? Really, though, boy, wonder. Really, Robin, knock off. You really don't know what to pray for? Really? I pastor a church. I have sheep, people that follow under my guidance as a pastor. I don't have any problem with what I need to pray for. Right? I don't have any problem being like, well, I don't know what I need to pray for here. I'm Really? I'm a fa- I'm a husband and a father of eight children. I don't know what to pray for, so I got to go flipping my tongue off like that because I don't know what to pray for. How about you're a blind fool? A lost, devil-possessed fool. No different than the sons of Sceva. A blind little possessed witch. 
don't know what to pray for, so I, so I just move my mouth, whatever comes out of it. What an idiot. in tongues now how do you know god wants to give you the holy spirit tonight and praying and the ability to pray in tongues because the bible says in matthew 7 9 you parents if your children ask for a loaf of bread do you give them a stone instead stone instead or if they ask for a fish do you give them a snake of course not so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those that ask is the holy spirit a good gift yes is praying in tongues a good gift so what he's saying is people that don't pray in tongues don't have the holy ghost do you understand that That's why this man is an antichrist. Eighth, point number eight. All of the New Testament's instructions about prayer takes for granted that prayer is a conscious, understandable, act on the part of the believer and that he is speaking to God in understandable terms. Matthew 6, 5-13 After this manner, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Is there any time? Look, Listen to this. Here's another one. This is a conscious, conscious, understandable prayer. When Jesus' disciples approached him quietly one day and begged for his secret to powerful prayer, he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. In his perfect pattern for personal prayer, we find praise, supplication, pleading for forgiveness, mercy, and more praise. However, mysteriously missing is any mention of or reference to tongues. Why? Pray tell. If tongues is so important, didn't Jesus teach his disciples to use a heavenly prayer language? The answer is simple and sweet. He never used one. He spoke while in the communion with his glorious heavenly father in his plain, ordinary language. In public and private, Jesus never used tongues. Some might argue and say he never spoke in tongues because the Holy Spirit's fullness and indwelling had not yet come. But the Spirit was given to him without measure all during his earthly ministry. Jesus Christ was the perfect example of the Spirit-filled believer. He did not have to tarry and wait in Jerusalem to be endowed with power from on high. He lived every moment of his life in the wonderful, thrilling fullness of the Holy Spirit. Yet there is not one record of him after him ever speaking in tongues publicly or privately. That's from Dan Kagan, I Was a Teenage Charismatic. The Journey for Truth Concerning the Charismatic Gifts. How about the Apostle Paul's instruction? about prayer did he instruct us that romans 15 let's go there now i beseech you brethren for the lord jesus christ's sake and for the love of the spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to god for me 
that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. And we have Ephesians six eighteen to 20. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Don't see it there, do you? How about Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 3? Remember, the apostles asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Here you go. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Okay. How about Hebrews chapter 13, 18 through 19? Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience, conscience in, conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. There is not one example of a prayer recorded in Scripture that is anything other than an individual speaking to God in a conscious, understandable term. In fact, Christ forbade the repetitious type of prayers that are commonly heard among those that practice a private prayer language. But when you pray, use that vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Yet you often hear that shalalama, balalama, shalalama, balalama, bubalama, all that other stupid stuff. Whatever that is, it's not New Testament tongues. And it's not New Testament prayer. Right? Okay. More from this liar. If yes, yeah, so you got to know that God wants to give you this. If you ask, he wants to give you it. So I want to lead you guys in a prayer, a prayer for you to receive, and then I'm going to pray for you. So I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer to receive because you, you know, you got to be led in a prayer to receive this. Ever see that with the apostles? Ever see that with the church in Corinth? Ever see that with uh, Peter, with Cornelius? Ever see that with any of them? Nope, not once. But this little wizard, Harry Potter wannabe, wants to show you. Excuse me, and I'll make sure that I link the prayer in the description as well. So here's what I want you to pray. Just repeat after me if you need to slow it down, if you need to. So here comes your incantation. Are you ready? I'll slow the incantation down just so you understand, okay? 
But listen, you have to have this incantation. You have to say it right, okay? You have to say it like he is. Okay? Are you ready? You have to say this incantation. It's got to be said this way in order for you to get the mojo. Go back. You can do that. I'm going to try to talk slow. You guys know I talk fast. I get fired up. I get the Holy Spirit anointing on me, and this is how I preach. So I want you to... Right. That's the Holy Spirit anointing. Yeah. Okay. Your thing, bud. Okay. Here comes his incantation. Here comes this witch's incantation. You ready? Repeat after me. Father, you said, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to them that ask you? I ask you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I receive this gift from you. Jesus, you said that these signs will follow the believers, that in your name, I will speak in tongues. I am a believer, and I receive this gift, mighty gift of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So I want you to pray that, receive that, ask the Holy Spirit. And as you're asking him, I'm going to pray for you. I pray for you right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would receive the Holy Spirit. I pray for the fire and the power of God. How come he didn't pray in tongues to get that, right? Over you right now, I say be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray that you would release. Why did he pray specifically? Does anybody wonder why did this guy just pray specifically for what he wanted? He's praying to God. Why did he pray? He says, why did he pray specifically for what he wanted and not shalalala, bula, bula, bama, 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 expialidocious? Why, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he? Why didn't he do that? It's their tongue right now in Jesus' name. Now, I don't want you to overthink it. Just be, don't speak in English. Don't think English. Don't speak in English. Don't overthink it, okay? We don't want you to do that. We don't want you to overthink it, okay? We don't want you to speak in English. Don't do that. Don't think. Don't think about it, right? Just do it. Where does the Holy Ghost of God ever tell you not to think about things, but just do it? Nowhere. He tells you, the Bible tells us to follow God's word. It tells us to follow the scriptures and to obey the scriptures. This is why these people are witches. Just as you feel it bubbling up, begin to speak. God is giving you it. God is releasing. Get that bubble out your belly. 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 On you, we pray right now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We pray right now the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost be full Such of the Holy Spirit. Such an idiot. None of that is the power and the fire. You think I'm afraid of that garbage? I'm not afraid of that guy's garbage. I'm not afraid of his fake, false, phony tongues. His stupid nonsense and garbage. There ain't no devil afraid of that garbage either because he runs with devils. These people are so possessed, it's ridiculous. Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We just ask you, Lord, for a mighty baptism and a touch of your fire and your power and your Holy Spirit over everybody listening. Right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to release your power. We ask you to release your anointing. Where does it say you're supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit to have him release his power? Anywhere in the Bible you can see that? Anywhere in the Bible you can see that? Nope. 
anointing in the name of Jesus be blessed receive the Holy Spirit pray this play this on repeat if you need to but I'm telling you guys go listen listen what he said play this on repeat if you need to so go back and say this prayer over and over again until you get what you want what is that well it's an incantation they're possessed they're not telling you to pray intelligent words to God they're telling you repeat this prayer so you get the mojo that you need to do this. So wicked. Go forth. This will change your life. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. All glory, this will glory, all honor and praise to Jesus. This praying in the spirit is a way to get closer to Jesus. The, he's saying that this is going to, he's saying that this is going to make you closer to God if you do this. Such a lost, crooked man. Ninth, even if we were to agree that 1 Corinthians 14 refers to a private prayer language, it would not be something you could be, learn or, or imitate. Whatever is described in 1 Corinthians 14 is a divine miracle. But this is contrary to the Pentecostal charismatic practice, whereby people are taught to speak in prayer language. Just like I, I just showed you that. They're taught to speak in prayer language. Tenth. To use the gift of tongues as a private prayer language would be to destroy its chief purpose, which is a sign to believing, unbelieving Israel. It was a sign to unbelieving Israel. Remember what Ferdinand Legrand said, the former charismatic? He said, by using this sign in private, some think they can profit from one of its aspects while ignoring the others. But you cannot dismantle a gift and retain only one of its components. A car is a complex mechanical object that is driven as an entity or it is not driven at all. You cannot take the wheels for a run and leave the body and the engine in the garage. When a car is running, it is whole car. It is the whole car that moves. In, in the same way, tongues were not to be sliced up like a sausage. They were to edify the speaker and others and be assigned to the Jewish unbelievers and be understandable or be rendered by interpretation. They had to be all the same time. The gift was inseparable from... It's one and only unchanging purpose to be a sign for non-believing Jews of the universal offer of salvation in Acts 2.17. The fact is that biblical tongues were real earthly languages. This is a foundational truth. Any doctrine of tongues that reduces this practice to mere gibberish or of any sort is unscriptural. They are antichrist. Let them be Amen. Let them be accursed. They are teaching falsely. They are teaching lies. Okay? All righty. Let's see here. I'm going to play a song for you. Give you a chance to say hi. Hope you learned something from this. See, I'm trying to find the song. This one. That's not the one. This one is. 
said, friend, you can't see, but with a smile on his face, he replied to me, I'll see all my friends in Hallelujah Square, and what a wonderful time we'll all have up there, we'll sing and praise Jesus, And there'll not be one blind man in Hallelujah Square. Now I saw a crippled man dragging his feet. He could not walk like we do down the street. And I said, my friend, why I feel sorry for you. But he said, up in heaven, I'm going to walk just like you. And I'll see all my friends in Hallelujah Square. And what a wonderful time. man in Hallelujah Square. Now I saw an old man gasping for his breath. Soon he'd be gone as his eyes closed in death. Said, boy, don't look so blue, cause I'm going up to heaven. Now, how about you? And I'll see all my friends in Hallelujah Square. What a wonderful time we'll have over there. We'll sing and praise Jesus. Hey, man, that guy's got some pipes, doesn't he? All right, let's see. How about one more song here? I have all his albums on here right now. Let's see. Here. That one. 
Yeah, we'll play this one. Once I was clothed in the rags of my sin. I was wretched and poor. Lost and lonely within, but with wondrous compassion, the King of all kings, in pity and in love, took me under his wing. Oh, yes, oh, yes, when I'm a child of the King, and his royal blood, it now flows in my veins. So wretched and poor, I now can sing. Oh, praise God, praise God. I'm a child of the King. Well, now I am a child, oh, with a heavenly home. And my Holy Father has made me his own. And I'm cleansed by his blood. Love and someday I'll sing with the angels above. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I'm a child of the king and his royal blood. It now flows in my veins, and I, who was so Okay, all right. I'm done being annoyed by Carl's weird quirkiness today, so I'm about done here. Soak onion in honey for at least three hours, and water-like syrup forms on top. Thumbs the throat. Gotcha. I use throat spray from from Dr. Scholl's. It's good stuff from theherbdoc.com. I use some throat spray there. Works pretty good. But I have to tell you, Carl's ginger and lemon, I think it is, Carl. Is that what it is? Ginger and lemon? can't remember i gotta i gotta drink some of that this week carl remind me of that that recipe again was it ginger and lemon works good so yeah yeah ginger fresh ginger works really good it does i've definitely used that before it works great so yeah you are definitely quirky carl you are definitely quirky I mean, that is like, you are definitely quirky.
Yep. Anyway, good stuff. I believe all that natural stuff works good. Absolutely good for you. So, uh, yeah, I take it. I just don't lie about it and say I actually like it. That's <laughs> All right, I got to get out of here. All right, everybody. Pray for our ministry. Lord willing, I'll be back Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Time. Pray for us. Pray for our children to get better. Still got some sick ones. Um, let's see. And let's see. Uh, pray for our trips coming up, our paperwork to come back, passports, all that good stuff. Okay? I do like Kiwi, Carl. I'm just messing with you. Um, but, uh, and I eat, I, I eat yogurt too, so I... It's just, no, I don't eat ginger cookies because there's really no purpose in it. Like ginger cookies is like punishment. Like you're, like you're, you're being punished. You did something wrong. Okay. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't eat ginger cookies. All right. Anyway, if you'd like to give to our ministry, number one, pray for us. Number two, go to our website, oldpazbaptistchurch.org and scroll down. Oh. To uh, the giving side, PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or click on the donate button at the top, or go to sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley, and you can mail us something to 1030 South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55057. Otherwise, you can click on the donate button, or the give button here on Sermon Audio, and it'll take you right to us. Okay. All right, everybody. God bless you. It's good to talk to you all. All in good fun. Talking about our food differences. It always cracks me up. It always makes for a funny opening.